0: The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world.
1: Ain't alive no more.
0: All with a beer and a smile. This is Is the the Savage Savage Actual Actual Podcast. And now your hosts... Combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Savage Actual podcast. My name is Patrick Maltrip and I am here with my compatriot, Mr. Jason Lilly. What's up everybody? Thanks for joining us. What's up guys? So today we have a special guest, Mr. Tom Culpepper. He's a recently retired PJ. And by recently, I mean like, are, are you are you still on uh are you even actually retired right now?
2: I I'm eight days retired.
1: There you go. He is he is eight days with the military in his rearview mirror, and he's sitting down with us today to talk about his career and uh kind of becoming a PJ and some of his adventures and just uh interesting guest for us to have on uh, savage actual since we're you know generally heavy on the marine corps side since jason and i were both marines and this is just uh great to have have tom joining us so hey th- welcome man
2: yeah i'm happy to be here uh curious to see where the adventure is gonna go i'll try not to talk a little
1: <laughs> Is this your is this your first conversation
2: ever like this uh, yeah, this will be the first podcast for
1: sure. Nice. All man. right. There well, you go.
3: We'll, we'll definitely screw it up then. Um,
2: so I'll be way <laughs> ahead of you.
3: <laughs> I love the eight days of, of growth, man. I mean, first question is, how is it like not really worrying about a haircut and a beard anymore or uh, having to shave?
2: Uh, dude, that, that's one of the things I keep tolerable. And my, one of my favorite things about getting out is just there's just less rules in my life now. Yeah. No, no matter what it was, yeah. that was always one of my, my complaints. I always said, I, I love my job as a PJ. I yeah. didn't really like the military side of it. All the, the uniforms and the rules and the, the other things
3: that were with it. But I love doing the, the job. So I just uh, got rid yeah. that part. Amen to Still, that, man. I think, I think all of us feel the same way in the soft communities, man. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So did you feel, I remember when I retired, literally that first day when I woke up and I didn't go into work, I, it was like, okay, this feels a little weird and I already had a job too. I had a job that started in like a week, but I was still just like, this is, it was, I don't know. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say a little bit of stress, but it it just felt a little odd, you know, like for as long as you spend in the military, you know, I mean, I did more than 20 years and I'm sure yours was pretty much 20 years straight through. And I, I felt super weird. How about, how'd you feel?
2: Yeah, so I'd actually kind of been out for a while because um, I did the whole skill bridge and- Ah, okay. I'd been in my retired job for a month by the time I got out, actually okay. two months. Okay. Um, and uh, so that transition wasn't there, but unexpectedly, I mean, this was this was actually last Sunday. You know, I woke up and I was, you know, out. And uh, I remember popping up on my phone and seeing emails about my DD-214 and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all, like I was really happy to do it, and for some reason, for like 30 minutes that morning, like it was just super emotional for like 30 minutes out of nowhere. Not that I felt bad about it, but it just like slammed in this this cutoff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was it was interesting, unexpected for sure. Yeah, for sure. It, for sure,
3: it is a unique. You don't know, use a lot of uh, comparisons to Shawshank Redemption, man. It's the institution of it. No matter how much you disagree, but it is an institution and. Some are worse than others, right? Like the Marine Corps is very, the indoctrination there is like very, you know, hardcore. Um, yeah, it is bittersweet, isn't it? I mean, you've also did 20 years of your life, man. That's a long time. Most of the average yeah. airman, Marine, soldier does four, four to six tops. Yeah, 20 years is a substantial part of your life. So. Uh, yeah. I guess let's just back it up, dude. Like, I know we're talking already about you getting out, but like where, <laughs> where's, where's, where's it man? Where are you from?
2: Uh, so I was born at uh, Auburn University in Alabama. Um, and uh, kind of, I kind of had three phases. I did elementary school in Auburn. Then I moved down to around Orlando, Florida for middle school. And then uh, high school college was up in the DC area. Um, Got it. Just uh, Those two strategic moves there and uh, joined, uh, I actually started out in the Army National Guard um, with, uh, with another friend of uh, Patrick's there. <laughs> uh,
1: I was – It was that was eventually going to come up. It had to because I wasn't quite sure where the connection – I thought I, – for, for a second, I thought you were going to say at some point you moved to Jacksonville and that's where you ran into uh, Mr. Peter K. And yeah. uh, I wasn't quite sure where you guys had that connection.
2: Yeah. So I actually – back it up even a little further – um, I met him. Uh, I was in civil air patrol as a kid, okay, uh, and he was uh, he was in the army still at the time, and it was active in that. He grew up in civil air patrol, and uh, we did a lot of the search and rescue activities and things like that. Uh, and that's where I met him. And uh, by, by some harebrained scheme, I kind of as I got towards the end of high school and college, I kind of knew I wanted to go be a PJ, but I wanted to go to school for a while. And so I decided that well, if I just go join the army national guard for a little bit i'll get some basic soldier skills part-time while i go to school and then i'll go be a pj that turned out to be a series of just poor decisions <laughs> <in a laughs> um and uh, but i did I, I joined the army national guard right out of high school um, as a 11 bravo infantry um about eight months later me and the army decided we really didn't like each other and now uh, we parted ways <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What, I love what it. unit were you in? What unit was it? Uh, I, was, uh, I was 29th infantry division. It was it was Pete's unit. Um, I'm even forgetting what the actual unit was at this point. It was uh, Virginia the Army National in, Guard. Well, yeah, it was the one in Leesburg, right? Yeah, yeah the one up in Leesburg. Yep. yep. Okay, I got um, it. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, I, I got an entry-level separation uh, just before graduating infantry school. Um, and uh, I was kind of mad about it for a while. Uh And, uh, from there went, uh, went back to really what I'd done before, which is some kind of computer work, programming, things like that, running, uh, work for university for a while, but, uh, ultimately couldn't shake. I kind of wanted to check out this PJ thing. Um, and really the biggest part of it was I knew it was an 80 to 90% washout rate for those who tried and I wanted to know if I could do it. Yeah. Um, so, uh. Somehow conned the Air Force into taking me, uh, even though they didn't want prior service at the time, and uh, uh, that's a whole different part of the story to get into. But uh, well, that's yeah. always
1: that's always super typical for for people who are listening and don't really know the services can have different, uh, you know, attitudes towards prior service people like. Mm-hmm. The Air Force is specifically very unhappy about bringing Marines into into yes. the Air Force, and and exactly. vice versa. It can it can go just the opposite way, but it's uh, yeah, they have different policies at, at different times about taking prior service, and I think historically the Air Force has always been very standoffish against anybody that's done anything else, which is very weird.
2: Yeah, actually, the only reason they let me in was because of the job i was going for so at, at the time to go in to be a pj what you had to do was enlist open general um go to basic and then you would take a tryout at basic uh and they would convert you uh, which i wasn't real thrilled to begin with but uh for me i had to reverse that process just to get enlisted which i had to go do i had to set up the tryout qualify and then get a contract straight in at least for the pj uh dot course uh, what what was
1: year I was this, called. Tom?
2: So, this was 2004, uh, was okay. when I actually showed to Basic. So, I guess it was around 2003. I was going through this process. Um, and uh, yeah, my, my recruiter didn't even know how to go about that. I had to set up all my own stuff and make all the phone wow. calls, and it was interesting. Um, so
3: let me let me ask you, brother, while we're on the subject, how, uh, how and why at PJ's, like, how. Why not Green Berets? Why not Marine Recon, like SEALs especially, which gets all the, the light? Like, how did you hear about PJs? You know, that's a very unique niche unit.
2: Uh, so the PJs comes back to the Air Patrol again. They have a summer program uh, called the uh, Pararescue Orientation Course. You go out for a week with a couple of PJs, and survival instructors, and you just do PJ stuff. Um, and that kind of hooked me on it. And uh, I'd been digging the search and rescue stuff and things like that for a while. And uh, it was ultimately that combination of, I thought the mission was pretty righteous. Like our job is to bring people home um, yep. and we get all the toys and training to do it. And then the challenge of that, can I be that 10 to 20%? Can I get there? Can I do that? Uh, and that's really what pushed me over the threshold into, into, uh, into that as opposed to all the others. I didn't, I didn't want to be one of the thousands of SF or thousands of SEALs that are out there that are constantly churning through. Um, just wasn't appealing to me. You know, the, yeah. the size of the force is, is one of the things I actually liked about it. Yeah.
1: Do you know what the what the kind of standing numbers are for uh, PJs in general?
2: So the number I've heard throughout my career uh, is somewhere around 300 to 400 at any given time uh, existing, you know, in, in active service.
1: Yep. Okay. Wow. That's small. That was the same for my community. The Swift yeah. community was... 350 to, to 450 is the same thing as what I heard. So I always thought, I was like, man, that's tiny.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, we got seven the group up the street and there's that many dudes in one building. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Jesus <laughs> yeah, it's Christ. The same with Marsock, man. I think at it, it one time when I was at first IMSAB on the West Coast, at that time, I think when I got out in 11, there we had 465 operators. Yeah. You know? And is the CCT community pretty pretty small too?
2: It is. It's it's pretty similar in size. Yeah, I don't no, know you their numbers little... off the top of my head, but they're pretty Smaller. similar because yeah. they only exist in yeah. AFSOC. so you know it's even, even less. Yeah.
1: So you so you convinced your recruiter to to accept the National Guard freaking dirty guy and bring you in and uh. So how how'd that transition go?
2: Uh yeah. Well, convincing him wasn't hard because it turns out they get bonus credits on recruits the, the day they sign one of us, um, you know, so oh, really it's an automatic bonus on their stats. So he wanted me. He just didn't know how to do it. He's clueless. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the the transition, I, I did the tryout, uh, ended up waiting, you know, it was, it was almost a year before I can get to basic. Um, and uh, from that point, on, I was really just just training and, and focused on what I was going to do. Um, you know i i set a goal of, uh one of the things i was gonna do every night regardless of what was going on i was gonna hit the gym like it was gonna happen daily minus the weekends and uh i still remember one night i went out I finished work pete called me up and we go up to grab dinner or something and it was one of, the place we were going was the place we go all the time and before we made it in the door they had two cocktails on the bar waiting for us because uh, they just saw us walking in. And uh, I
1: remember this, going, is this in uh, rest? Is this in rest in town center?
2: Yep. Oh yeah. I know. I know the spot. <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, no, I got it. I got to make it to the gym. I got swimming to do tonight. So I have a couple drinks, drink, get over to the gym. I remember getting in the pool and starting to swim. Along. <laughs> this feels way too fun. I think I should get out now. Yeah. Um, but it was just uh, setting that <laughs> mindset and, uh, and going and like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing, and uh, that was one of the bigger adjustments. Um, and uh, staying focused on the goal was really the biggest thing uh, that I think got me through all of it and pushing through the actual tryouts and things like that. Because there were some struggles along that route too. Um, you know, and we can we can dig into some of that when we get to that area. But, so uh, so back it,
3: backing it up a little bit further, Tom. Like this mindset, you know, this this dedication that you you're all in at this point like growing up man I mean did you you play sports did you have you know a great father figure you know like what what was this where did this come from that you already had it sounds like you already had it within you uh bringing that to the table at the beginning of this adventure
2: yeah so um I did some sports as a kid um I played football in high school um I would, you know, play the cross for a little bit, things like that. I was never great at any of it, any, any of the team sports anyway. Um, to be honest, until I, was, until I was about 13, I had pretty bad asthma. Uh, mm. Don't tell the Air Force, they never found out about that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so that that's honestly where I think I got into some of the computer stuff, things like that, because I couldn't go out and run or walk, you know. And, uh, that was pretty bad. And then, um, you know, both parents were around, both parents were great. Um, pretty supportive of everything completely shocked at what I was about to go do. Um, <laughs> and I think you know, a lot of the resilience probably comes from them. Um, you know, it used to annoy me and this is a tiny little thing, but when I was learning to read, I remember this learning to read and I get to that word that I couldn't figure out and I asked my mom, what is this word? How do I, you know, what is it? And she would just look at me and say, I don't know. How do you spell it? How do you say it? She just stared at me and it was just, it was that <laughs> you're going to get there, but you got to do it yourself. Um, and I, I think that kind of burned in and yeah, you know, good genetics back there too. I, you know, uh, I can't really explain fully where it came from, but uh, that's awesome. That, that that drive is really what I think pulled through uh, in, the, in the long run.
3: Yeah. Did, did you, were you going into it kind of blind? You know, it was for me going into the recon and Mars Well, I'd say recon, like I didn't know much about it. Did you, you know, you did a little bit with the, uh, you know, the civil air service and whatnot, but were you obsessing with, you know, how long is the, the pipeline to, to attain the P.J. title? Did,
2: or do you just kind of go
3: into it blind?
2: Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I mean, this is 2004. There, all, all the resources that everyone has right now did not exist. There was right. no Storm Athlete. There was no um, I think SpecialTactics.com, I think, is a you know, website. The, yep. you know, there's no Reddits. There's no any of that. <clears throat> there's not a lot of information. I remember plugging what I could at one point. I think i wrote a letter to the selection course and got back like you know the the day one packet or something uh, was how i got some information um but there wasn't a lot so it was just kind of well i know this is going to be hard i know i got to be there mentally and physically and we're just going to do this and see you know and throw the dice out um and that's uh in a lot of ways, I think is a is a better way to do it than I, what I see happening now, where everyone's overanalyzing every step. I'm, you know, I'll, I hang out on Reddit or something and see the PGA subreddits and some of the questions people are asking are these little detailed things. And right. like, at, at what point do you just say, "I'm doing this"? Yeah, and you yeah. throw it out there and do it. And I think there's a lot to be said for that that gets missed by a lot of people these days.
1: There, I agree. There with that, is sending, too man. much. Yeah, there is too much information sometimes available today, and I've seen some of those some of those Reddit feeds Mm -hmm. and like you said, the questions that people ask are just silly and it's like, Hey man, you'll figure it out when you get on deck. And it's, you know, the things, you know how it is. Things change from class to class. They come up with different policies, different procedures. So you, you could literally have a schedule and probably day two, you're just going to have to throw it in the garbage because it's not going to mean anything. It's, it's all on you.
2: Yeah, and if, if you need that level of control, do you need that much information? You're not going to make it. Yep. Because they take that control away from you, and you're going to have to figure it out. So yeah,
3: change in the soft communities across the board. Change is the only thing that's constant. You know, it's it's yep. it, we say the Marine Corps, simper Gumby man, like always flexible. Yeah. You know, like like just. Are you going to fucking quit or are you going to push through this? You know, like no matter what, what challenges in front of you, you got to overcome it and think about it and like, what can I do to get over this hurdle timely, effectively, and with all my dudes? And that's that's it, I think, across the board.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I used to always say that it took me years to figure out, but what we're, we and you guys were all selected for was our ability to take a little tool set, go into the unknown, and solve the problem. Um, yep. So yeah. if you need all this information up front, you're already on the wrong side of that equation. Um, is, is kind of my perspective on it. Yeah.
1: So I, here's a question for you. We um, This is something that I heard a lot from Navy guys. It, they'd, they'd be super physically fit. You know, the Navy is not exactly known for their high level of fitness across the board. Uh, and guys would complain because they would get to Navy boot camp and then they would, you know, they'd be super physically prepared. They'd get to Navy boot camp and there'd be sort of a uh, regression and their and their ability to work out and that type of thing they weren't you know working out as hard as they like and they felt they they lost some of that fitness i didn't i went through a different process you know i've been a marine and so i didn't go through navy boot camp and i actually had the ability to work out a lot as i went through my schools and this and that did you, once you got to air force basic training or whatever they they refer to it as did you feel like how is their process for that because i know the navy actually at the time, like when you were in, they were doing a process where they would take any special warfare people, like if you wanted to be EOD, SEAL, SWCC, diver, and they would put them in their own platoons. And they would actually, because of those complaints, they get a little bit more of a workout. Does the Air Force do anything like that? Or how did you feel going through Air Force basic training? Um,
2: so at the time, they did nothing. You nope. just get it up. And, and the one piece of advice I got was, you know, whenever you're training for something hard, you're going to train hard and then you're going to take a recovery period before the actual event. Uh, and so it was pretty much train up hard to the day you leave, treat basic as your recovery period, and then roll into the <laughs> end of course. Uh, and that's kind of what happened, to be honest. Um, nice. Uh, now, shortly after I went through, I'm not sure what year, they did start doing that exact model where they created the special warfare platoon or squadrons and flights. Uh, and they would take all the people that were going to those jobs, and they would get the extra PT and the extra things, and uh, and work towards it there, in, in yeah. an effort to increase throughput. Um, don't know if that was successful or not, but they did start doing that finally.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. So, so what age? Uh, what age were you when you went into the Air Force?
2: So when I went back into the Air Force, I was 24. Okay. Um, and I got the—I uh, did have the dubious honor of attending now two basic trainings, which was fun. Uh <laughs> got to do Army and Air Force.
3: So, so how was that comparatively, man? Like I'm that guy that I've always been interested in, in the other processes of the other branches, and sure they all cross pollinate in so many different ways. But you know, going through Army basic probably a Benning to, you know, you know uh, Air Force basic training. Like, how what was the comparison there that you saw? I haven't done
2: both. The the easiest way to put it was uh, the army was like two dudes getting in a fight. Like, something would happen, you punch each other a couple times, then it's over, you move on with your life. Uh, (laughs) In the Air Force, it was more psychological warfare. Like, something would happen, and they would just try and dig into your brain about it and, you know, and mess, like, stress you out about it more than just, all right, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna smoke the crap out of you and, and be done with it. Yeah. Um, and that was the easiest comparison I, I come up with for it as, as to yeah. how they tried to do it, uh, which is interesting because I really didn't care at Air Force Basic. It was kind of a joke. That <laughs> I so I remember the the drill sergeant, or the TIs uh, getting kind of annoyed at me because I wasn't getting stressed out. Um, and I think catching me in their office with my feet on their desk a couple of times didn't help. But <laughs> 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 um, and, and it all came to fruition when the, the last day of Basic, when you finally put on your ribbons, uh, and I had my Army ribbons on there, and they said, what is that? Because they had no idea. Oh,
1: they, they didn't know? That's Here hilarious.
2: And uh, they finally went, ah, now it all makes sense. Yeah, you've been through this. <laughs> you've
1: been through something similar.
2: Got it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah he's been yelled just, at before. Yeah. It's just how they choose to stress you uh, is really the biggest difference uh, in the approach to it. One is just more mental and one more physical.
1: Nice. So you you – finish your stressful time at at uh air force basic and then you what's the next step for you after that
2: uh you load on a bus drive to the other annex of the base and uh welcome to indoc um so i remember we got there and uh we're in, at the time we're in these old dilapidated uh dorm barracks that about two months later were described as a crack house by one of the generals which i thought was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got off and we you know, were moving in and, you know, uh, the very first thing that happens is one of the upper classes in Indoc just smokes the shit out of you for about three hours. And you've got no idea. They're not really allowed to do this. So you're just duck walking down the hall and, you know, slipping around in puddles of sweat and having all kinds of fun for, uh, for a few hours. Uh, That's how is. You're welcome to Indoc. Um, and then, you, you know, there's a couple days to your class starts So you're doing, you know, all the random tasks. Uh, and then in-doc hits, and uh, it's ground running day one. Um, you know, the very first thing you do at 5 a.m. is that intro PT test again. Um, and then uh, then it becomes groundhog day. You're going to do a lot of the same stuff over and over, just harder and harder and harder and harder every day. Um, check out tests at the end of every week on every skill you've done. Um, and keep going. And uh, we always described as the hardest part of every day was just putting your shoes on and making sure they're your running shoes and not your dress shoes. Cause to quit, you had to put on your service dress and go stand in front of the commandant's office. Um, so, Damn. you know, here that, which pair of shoes am i putting on this morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Um, and you know, but once you get through that, it's okay. Well, you know, don't know what's going to happen between here and lunch. So I might as well hang out for a little bit, you know, cause lunch is always good. And then you know, maybe we'll get a little something fun. after. So we gotta hang out. Well, it's almost the end of the day now. And you know, you had know, all these little, goalposts you give yourself for every five minutes throughout the day to just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And uh, yeah, uh, doc was an experience for sure. Um, you're just thrown in with, I can't remember how many people we started with. Um, I want to say our class was somewhere around 50 on my first one. Um, and uh, didn't graduate anywhere near that many. Uh, and it's just instant. Bonding by pain and insanity uh, and uh, and watching people, you, I remember you stand there at day one and you're looking around for the class and you're immediately going like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely at the bottom of the class. I think everybody probably had that opinion that day. Yes. Uh, you, know, you got D1 athletes, Olympic athletes, you know, these, these people, you look at them like, wow. Um, and uh, come to realize several months later, you have no idea who's going to make it through the other end on uh, yep. day one. Um, there's no trait you can point to, at least um, in that initial, and say, yep, they're going to make it, they're going to make it, they're going to make it.
3: Do, do you, Tom, agree with this statement? I think the physicality across the board, you know, there's an ebb and a flow to it in these these, these indoctrinations that every soft branch has. Is, but across the board, the dudes are studs, like for the most part, right? Like 90% in the stud range. So – commonality there but i think it comes down truly to the individual level your upbringing your mindset your resilience in your determination and how much you truly want this and and have you seen that to be true on on your end too it's like okay you see this tough stud that's like six four can swim his ass off can run sub six minute miles but He's got a mush heart like he just you could see it like you could sense it. You know, physically, if the dude had a lot of heart, he would crush it and destroy it. But something internally is just off. And then it's like, oh, damn, quickly the start starts falling apart.
1: This podcast episode is sponsored by Iron Fire Brewing. Iron Fire Brewing is a Southern California favorite, creating craft beers from the finest ingredients. Iron Fire Brewing creates unique beers with classic tiki drink inspired flavors, amazing lagers and more. Iron Fire Brewing can be shipped directly to your home by going to CraftShack.com and search for Iron Fire Brewing.
2: Yeah. Um, so one of the common denominators I do see among people who succeed is they have failed in life before. They have had failure and pushed through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the interesting things about some of the, these incredible athletes and stuff. is They never failed. They've just been good at everything their whole life but guess what this course is going to do? They're going to make you fail. And that's the whole, they're going to push you to fail and see what happens on the other side of that. And you would, I would describe it, you just watch them short circuit. Like that first time that they just, they don't know how to handle it. Um, and uh, so yeah, that that mindset there, it's, it's physical, but as long as, at least particularly in my case, if you meet those day one standards and you just keep going, unless you have something Broken in you, um, you know, some sort of physical ailment, you're gonna get there, um, as long as you just keep going. Um, what happens when you fail? What's gonna happen? What are you gonna do? Uh, where are you gonna forget why you're there? You forget what you're doing. It is physical to the point of mental. It took me years to understand what that meant, uh, but it's 100. percent Your body is gonna stop, and your brain's gonna have to tell it to keep going. And will you do that? Uh, so there are I- divides between successes and failures.
3: So you as an individual, brother, like I, I call it the the, the quit bug, the quit virus, dude. Once this quit gets in your head, it turns into a cascade, an avalanche, you know, and we've all deal with it individually. I have, we all have at certain points, super tired, hungry, girlfriend issue potentially outside of the end doc, right? Like there's so many factors that play into your psyche during this process. Did you encounter... You know, is there something that sticks out your mind looking back that that was a hurdle for you that you had to really kind of pull the pants up that day or that moment? Like it was just you know challenging. You were on the edge of like, "Fuck, is this something I really
2: want?" Yeah. So the most obvious answer for that is I did indoc three times in a row. What? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, three times in a row, and uh, at every every one, I was offered. They deemed me worthy to go again, but it was like you're starting from day one tomorrow. Wow. Wow. So what
1: precipitated, what precipitated these, uh, uh, restarts?
2: So, mostly it was, uh, one was an injury in the middle. Um, I, th- I honestly don't remember what the very first setback was. I think it was probably something physical. Um, I was just off a of standard on something. Um, the second one was an injury. I'd fallen, got, uh, got knocked out and, that's a whole step that's a whole good story about how I almost lost the job altogether for getting knocked unconscious. Um, and then uh, the let's, third hear, one let's, was, let's hear okay. that story,
1: man. While we're talking about, it. I, want to, I want to hear this story about that knockout,
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: because the
1: they're, they're, Air Force is very fucking, they're not big fans of that, right? Like, if you yeah. lose consciousness in the Air Force, I know they have policies that are you
2: know, so low, <laughs> I it's helped rewrite some of those it. in my last few years. I got to help rewrite some of those policies specific to us because we used to fall under just the flight physicals, so the same physical yep. the pilots and the air crews were getting. Um, and so a loss of consciousness was an immediate disqualifier. Um, and uh, what happened to me one night, uh, the short version is, because to this, this, this day I don't remember, I woke up in my bed, and my nose is broken, my ear was split open, and this side of my face was all covered in blood. It's all I knew. Um, it was a, it was a weekend and, uh, it took was, me. Was days. alcohol involved? No. <laughs> what the hell? Um, I had, uh, basically what I managed to piece together from some people who had actually seen me that night and some other things. Um, I'd gone down to the, uh, to the, you know, the big shared bathroom. and There's one of those urinals on one side and there's that double sink and then the trains on the other. And I used the urinal and, and like I said, this was a crack house. So there was leaks and everything everywhere. And best I could determine, I slipped a little bit, went backwards, hit the counter here, and that rolled <laughs> me a hole on my face. Um, and that was, you know, all she wrote on that. Um, that involved me going through, it's funny, I, I woke up, like, okay, this isn't right. Put myself on the little shuttle bus to go over to the hospital, you know, put me really calm with that, I'm like, I know I'm not dying. And uh, no, the nurses wouldn't even clean the blood off me because they determined that I'd gotten in a fight and I was lying, Period and uh it led to like they did a like a month-long investigation into everybody i knew kind of forgot who would beat me up um kept telling me i was a liar ended up having to go through two months of neurological exams um, you know the whole you know ray on yeah. your head and all this other stuff yep and uh months of this i was just getting this beat me down more than anything to be honest um, yeah that
1: would that would be uh that would be a bummer that would suck
2: yeah, because during that time I was I was missing the class that I could have been in, um, and I'm sitting at the, 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 the we call it the CQ desk is basically just you know the admin by the door answering the phone and sweeping things, um, watching all my all my buddies get to train and just and just getting jacked with by the instructors they just come by and smoke you you know just because they felt like it and you were sitting there, um, it beat me down more than just about anything and I actually decided. Uh, that if they told me I couldn't have the job medically, I was just going to say, okay, and be done with it. Um, and the phone rang, picked it up, you know, gave the standard, you know, Paris press course, whatever. Uh, and it was a doc calling and, uh, and said, hey, we've done all the tests, we've done them twice, but just given your job, we're not comfortable letting you, you know, letting you proceed. And before I realized the words were coming out, I just heard myself say no. And as I heard myself say, no, I was like, all right, we're in this. We're doing it. Um, somehow I talked them into it. We did a whole nother battery of tests (laughs) for like the third time. They all came back normal and they finally let me, let me in. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the the kind of overview of of that story and and that adventure. And and really what I knew that uh, I'm definitely doing, I don't know where that no came from to this day. Um, but clearly it was there. And, uh, and made it through the other side. After that, uh, the next class is the one I graduated from. Um,
3: But that's gotta be super, super rewarding.
2: Yeah, it it was actually. I had, uh, right before they let me back on team, um, one of the instructors, he used to like come by, he would, for whatever reason, he liked to make these bets. he'd be like, I bet you 500 pushups, you're never gonna graduate. And I said, I'll take that bet. And before he could kind of weasel his way out of it, which he always found a way to do, some other instructors jumped in they're like oh it's a bet it's a bet and uh so you know clearly i graduated at some point Um, but the funny part was he was the stand-in commandant of the course when i graduated so not only did he have to graduate me but then he also had to go out the blocks and do his 500 uh which was kind of kind of rewarding Um, that's awesome that's awesome that's, that's not
3: a, that's not a small amount of pushups either for anyone.
2: <laughs> no, and he, he was an older instructor. It took him a little while, but he yeah. did it. And I was, for <laughs> him. So, um, yeah, knocked it out. But, uh, yeah, and then the, the very next course, uh, I got to the final PT test and I missed by one pull-up. Um, and I got a, as opposed to what they'd done in some previous courses, I got a single retest the next day just wasn't happening. I was in the heavy overuse injuries at this point. Um, and, uh, so I got the last setback, uh, I remember the, uh, the instructors handed out the, the setback paperwork and said, you know, do you want to stay? And I looked up and you're still kind of intimidated by him at this point. And I was like, I've been here too fucking long to leave now. Give me the fucking paperwork. And he just laughed handed it to me. And then you know the rest is a little bit of history there, but, uh, John is involved in that.
3: Just purgatory, I, I want to stress to our listeners out there, like when you're in these class environments, like you're, you're all in, you're stoked, you're stoked to be there. Like, damn, I'm going to be a PJ. I'm going to be a Ricondo, marsock Swix, Seal. I'm in Buds. You know, you're there and you, you're with your peers. You, like he said, you're looking left and right. And you get to know these dudes. It's butt sniffing. It's like Clydesdales. And, you know, you're, you're with the herd. You're moving forward. And you don't want to be that dude that just like one day, one session of missed training you know, you're, you're, you're a step back very quickly, depending on how severe it is, from the herd. So it is a race to, to some degree. So I can't fathom that injury and then missing a day, missing a week, and then two months, like you said, just sitting there in purgatory, like in this hiatus, and you can't leave. You don't want to leave, so you're just rotting. Like, I, I can't fucking personally fathom that.
1: Well, That's, and it's, it's – uh, it's, the weird thing is – like what Tom had mentioned, you build these relationships with the guys that you're around, you yeah. know, <clears throat> and then to see them go on. And I've heard other people talk about this. I had a, a buddy of mine who had an injury and got rolled back into the class that he was with me. And he had been like two classes before that. And he knew all these guys. And he had talked to me about that. He's like, dude, it was just such a bummer. He's like, i had been with these guys for six months. And yeah. then he he broke his hand. And they, he just had to sit around with a cast for months, and they rolled him back multiple classes, and he was just super bummed, and he felt like a failure. He's like, I felt like quitting then because you know all my buddies are gone and this and that, and it's such a such a kind of a you know a, a kick in the ass and an emotional thing that you you almost feel like you're you're not good enough because all your friends and everything have continued on, you know, and you gotta. Right. It, it's a good that you kept that focus, man. Because a lot of people, I think it, it can get to them, you know.
2: Yeah, and that's it, it. Goes back to the what I think they're selecting for is what do you do when what do you do when you fail? Yep. How do you push through that? Um, I think some people get challenged more than others. Uh, I was unexpectedly challenged more than I thought it would be, but you know, still here. I, I just described it as a malfunction. We all forgot we could say no, at least for a time period. <laughs> Right, right. I remember being doing, doing our underwaters, which is one of our big stressors. You know, they were doing our underwater swims and they slowly, you're doing closer and closer together, hypoxia building, all that urge to breathe. Yep. And uh, and you just look and, like, the, the water's like six inches over your head. It's like a foot up there. And you're like, it's there's air. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you just, uh, that going back to keep swimming because, you know, I can't do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, how, lo- how long total were you at the uh, the indoc course?
2: Uh, so I want to say I was there about a year, um, before I made it out of San Antonio. Um, <laughs> it's honestly one of those things. I was probably 16 years in before I went back and, re- and found what my class number was for the Indot course. And because it just became such a jumble of teams and this and that, um, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't keeping track of it anymore because it didn't do me any good. I didn't want to know how long I'd been doing it. I just wanted to do it. Um, and so I think it was about a year.
1: <laughs> did you ever did you ever run into some other guys that were in your first group and they're like, "Holy shit, you finished." and you know?
2: Yeah, so some of those dudes are still my best friends. Um, you know, talked them <laughs> recently. Uh you know, yeah, they super stoked to, that you made it out the other side.
1: That's um, awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh did you see yourself cuz I imagine myself in this situation, man, like you're you're probably a little bit more you know, socially more jovial with your, your boys, you're more, you know, you're growing out with this, this team of guys, right? And then as you get rolled and rolled and rolled, did you become more isolated and more hyper-focused just on what you need to do and, and a little bit more distant from your peers? Or were you kind of the same? Because I imagine myself, I would just be like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here and, you know, just yeah. not try to get close to anyone on this next go around. I'm just here for work. I mean, I don't know if I'm asking that question, right?
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm tracking what you're, where you're going with it. Um, the dot course at the time, I can't speak to the current one, is designed around teamwork. You will not succeed if you just focus down. Um, there's a number of tasks that, like, you've gotta do them as a team. Um, so I never really, my tolerance, as I started to realize the characteristics that we're going to carry people through, I started to be less tolerant of people that, you know, I, I can see them getting that, what you talked about earlier, that they, that uh, quit bug started to creep into their head. I could recognize it earlier and just be like, all right, I'm not, you're really going to pull yourself out of this. I'm not going to spend time on it. Right. Um, but beyond that, no, you, you, you've got to still bond as a team and pull it together, um, which I think was awesome, actually, because it's the only way you're getting through some of that stuff. And then, in those times when you're that close to maybe just, I could just stop. You get that one drag, that one push, that one that one word, uh, and it, it pulls you through. So, uh, no, I, I don't think I completely you narrowed that down a little bit. I just became more aware of those who I wasn't gonna burn my excess energy on because there wasn't a lot of that to go around.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for our listeners out there, I, I wanna drive this home, and I know all, all of us relate to this. I can't fathom ever ringing the bell per se and quitting because that it, it's permanent like i can't now we're in our late 30s and 40s and 50s right like i can't fathom like having quit recon school right brc or, or the marsoc realm or sniper school right like i can't fathom being that dude that rang the bell and then like what do you say the rest of your life you know i'm now yeah in this next stage of my life, you're like, Oh yeah, I was in the Marines. Like, Oh, did you ever think about doing this? Like, well, I actually did, but I quit. And you make <laughs> up some story. Like I was injured or I was sick or whatever, you know, yeah. like for our listeners out there, like that moment is fleeting. That one day it's almost like suicide in a sense, in my opinion, like you're having a bad moment, minutes, 30 minutes, like push fucking through it. Push through it. It's going to end. We, my buddy had this clown in, in in recon school down in Coronado on his uh, his wall locker. It was a clown ripped out of a like FHM magazine back when that was popular. Back when magazines were a real thing. And he wrote in like this pen. It said, "They can't stop time." You know, and we I asked him what he meant by that, and obviously I was right. He was just like, "It's going to end." You know, whatever your 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 selection phase is to even get to the A school to obtain Green Beret, PJ, CCT, whatever, it's going to end. That course is going to fucking end. You know, it's, they're going to slow time down hardcore. It's going to suck every moment of it. But it's a good thing it sucks because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it.
2: Yep. So, yeah. I, know, I mean, again, we're talking 80 90% of your washout rate. And what I learned on the inside is 80 90% of those, actually 90 plus percent of those are self-identified. They're not failures, they're quitters. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you'd encounter these people all the time, you know, throughout your career. Oh yeah. I, I went to indoc but every one of them for the most part would come up with their excuse. Oh, I was medical or I couldn't do, or you know, this thing came up that I had to go do, or there's a reason. There's a, the ones who we all across the board would maintain respect for be the ones like, yeah, it wasn't for me. I quit. Yeah. Cool. Because it's not for everyone. That's why there's such a high washout rate, uh, and that that honesty with yourself and with others that yeah, you know, I tried it and it wasn't for me. Um, I we always thought, you yeah. don't hear that a
1: whole lot. No, you don't. don't hear that a whole lot. It's 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 funny because we used to say that yeah, everybody that shows up in Coronado and goes home, they go home because they got hurt. Like everybody just that's oh yeah, I got hurt, I got hurt. Nobody wants to admit to themselves that. Like Jason said, at that moment, they just didn't have it, or they had that sort of quit bug at that moment and couldn't continue. Uh-huh. Too many people have a very difficult time admitting to themselves and admitting to the world that I just I didn't have it in me. And I, you're 100% right, Tom. I, I respect guys. They just say, "Hey, I don't, I don't have, I didn't have it. I just couldn't do it anymore." cool, man. It's not for everybody. I to- yeah. totally yeah. totally agree. It's funny though. You never, rare, or you rarely hear that.
2: Yeah. What was it? Uh, David Goggins in his book, you know, he mentions that he tried out to be, it was either controller, I can't remember, um, but he got, he got an injury and he ended up leaving in Doc. Um, and years later in his book, he admits that he quit through his injury. Um, he actually says like, I, I could have pushed through it and, and continued, I let myself quit and put it on the injury, which is a pretty standard story. Um, yeah. And then he went on to be a SEAL and do some great things. Um, but just his willingness to come forward and say that says a lot about what he learned in that process uh, and what changed him and probably made him successful as a SEAL, to be honest, uh, is that self-realization. So, you know, a lot yeah. of credit for that, but that's that's the
1: well, exact Well, like part. you said, that was, that was his early failure, you know, mm-hmm. and he knew he didn't want to do that again. So exactly like what you had mentioned. Yeah. So after your after in and everything, then <clears throat> from what I'm familiar with, then you guys go into your schooling, right? You guys go into your specific schools, jump, dive, free fall, all that, and then you're then it, do you guys finally come back together at that at the end? What is the what is the course after all your your uh, schools?
2: So, yeah, we, from, once you finish it, and get selected, uh, you move out to Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico, um, and that is the home of PJ School. Yeah. And from there, you spend about a year uh, shuffling around all the different, the pipeline schools. So, survival, dive, jump, free fall, whatever else there is out there. Um, and that takes about a year. And then your, your second year after that, you spend six months in the pararescue uh, medical course which takes you from zero to paramedic in about six months. So that's including all your, your ride-alongs, things like that. Um, and it's very much a civilian medical course. We tweak it a little bit more towards what we do, but it is a paramedic course designed to make us paramedics. Um, and you just eat, sleep, breathe, drink paramedicine—you know medicine for six yep. months. Like, you've got no choice. It's the only way you're going to get through that fast. Um, and then from there, you go to the paramedic Apprentice course, which is another six months, where they take all the things from the pipeline and all your medical stuff, and then they add in all the pj specific skills. So you start doing all the high-angle stuff. You start learning the advanced medical skills, minor surgicals, things like that the paramedics can't do, but we can. Um, you start learning all the tactics, the weapons handling, just all the things uh, come together there, and that's another six months on average. Um, last I checked so there's that last year where you're truly in the PJ Schoolhouse doing medicine and and the paramedic course Are the, the apprentice course? Uh, before you uh, make it out the other side and the nice part about it is because of our heavy washout rate at the beginning the, the guys You're with at that point 90% chance they're all going to be there when you get done. Um, there's not much really much uh, Many people to go by the wayside once you get to Kirtland, which is nice because uh, you get really tight in with everybody and you know again have fun and suck
1: yeah, yeah. what's the uh what's the policy or what was it then because I when I went through Navy freefall school and this was in around 2005 I had a bunch of pJ trainees in my course and we had a couple guys wash out they uh-huh. just you know unstable you know the typical things what do those guys get another chance to, go back to another school? Do they get a a chance to recycle with with issues like that? Like Uh, if you fail dive or you fail anything like that?
2: Yeah. Usually, it depends on the the reason behind the failure. Um, If you quit, no, you're done. You're out, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that does happen occasionally. Um, But for the most part, you're going to get two shots at any given school. Okay. uh, Unless there's a reason they feel you don't deserve a chance to go back. Um, So Actually, that was it. Navy free fall around 2005. Oh, really? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I managed to avoid Yuma.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. That's, there was a, I can't remember the guy's name. He was a, uh, kind of a salt and pepper gray haired fella who was a, uh, former PJ or no, he's a CCT guy who was an instructor there. And all these, all the, all the trainees fucking love this dude. And, uh, just, you know, he was a civilian at the time. He was, He was one of the civilian instructors there and stuff, but, uh, yeah. That
2: was a good time, but, uh, yeah. So unless you quit, you're probably going to get a second shot, fail your second shot and you're going to go be a cop or a cook or, you know, wherever the air force decides to put you.
1: (laughs) Yep. That that would suck. So any, any bumps along the road for that process for you?
2: Uh, honestly, that was pretty smooth for me. Um, had a, had a good time in the pipeline, uh, you know, I mean, we got to travel. We got yeah. all four corners of the country. You know, two months down in Key West, learning to, to swim and run fast. Um, you know, diving got mixed in there somewhere, but was mostly just swimming and running fast, uh, and, and drinking a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, Key West. Uh, Key West is Duval Street's a good time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I almost left a toe on Duval Street, but that's. Just... Um, <laughs> You know it, it was it was just fun that was the first time you were going to courses you'd just been through the you know basic at indoc uh, you know tree. you were just lower rung of shit and uh, now you're going to these courses and and you're really learning skills and you're starting to realize where your standing is on some of these things like I remember standing at uh, basic airborne graduation and you know I had to come through going hey so where, where are you going next and you're, you're all these 80 second airborne guys and they're like oh man and they get to me and they're going, I'm going, well, I'm going to be a free fall next week.
1: <laughs> they love that, don't they? Oh, I yeah, literally right. had a super similar. I was in, uh, you know, when you're in Benning and you're sitting on those, uh, you're all jocked up and you're just yeah. waiting for the freaking plane or whatever. And everybody's sitting inside that uh, huge bay. I literally had uh, one of the black hats did not like me and one of my buddies. And he he came around he's like, where are you assholes going friggin'? when you're done with this? And we're like, actually we are going to free fall. <laughs> the look on his face, he was just so pissed off. He just turned and walked away. And it was funny because there was a recon guy there that was a, a Marine recon guy. that was a black hat right, and he walks right. up like a second later and he's like, he's like, don't worry about him. He's just pissed. Cause he's got, you know, his back hurts and he's got 300 static line jumps and he will never do anything else. So we were just like laughing. It's it's
2: Yeah. Yeah um so yeah, the, the pipeline went pretty smooth had a good time uh even honestly the the apprentice course and the meta courses what i was pretty clean through those um you know it was just keeping that mindset like this is what we're doing and we're going to do it um at a certain point you just have to realize the only way i'm leaving here is if they throw me the fuck out period like that's the only option everything else is what it is um and the world, the world goes on hold for those two years.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you walk us through graduation, man. Like how? I mean, it's got to be monumental, especially with all the hurdles you've been through, man. Like, you know, you know that last week or two,
2: you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, like,
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm actually getting to my
2: unit. Yeah. Um, So the, you know, one of the last things they have us do is. uh, They just started this with our course. We were one of the first classes to do it as they sent us out for this kind of week long FTX. Um, But it was funny, when we did it, it wasn't really fully thought out. Like they figured out a place for us to go and it had some buildings and they ship us all out there. It was on the far side of the base. Um, And they basically kind of said, cool, you're deployed now. Figure it out. We'll be back with the next tasking. And they they just abandoned us out there. So you got a bunch of dudes who've been, you know, spending two years learning they can do whatever the hell they want if they really put their mind to it, uh, and you just abandon them out there with some rules that they weren't supposed to violate, and uh, quickly watch every like. Next thing you know, everyone's you know slipping on civvies and driving in to pick up all the supplies from the, the commissary that yeah you know, they didn't want to give us or let us have, and like rigging up stuff. But you're out there for about two week, a week, two weeks, uh, and it's you know just kind of a mission a day kind of thing. Learn to plan, learn to put all the pieces together. And the very last thing we did was this, uh, I think it was like a 20K twenty k movement to an objective to the mountains uh, at night, tactical and everything. Uh, and the objective we picked up was one of the big, heavy, it was one of the steel chainsaw boxes, the big metal ones, that was full of bricks, beer, and berets. We didn't know this because it's sealed shut, but it weighed about <laughs> 200 pounds. Uh, and we got about 20 flicks to pull it out of the mountains in the middle of the night. <laughs> Damn. Um, and then, you, you know, so you, you're pushing all, all night and getting back like just around sunrise. Um, I remember I went over, a, I was on point for the initial movement and I went straight over a cactus to the at crotch level, like in the first oh. 20 meters, which made for a fun rest of the night, you know. Uh, but the team's pulling through. You get back and the, the instructors pop the locks on this box you've been dragging through the desert all night. And it's, uh, you know, full of beers and, and your berets. Uh, and it, you know, it's kind of the private Ceremony uh, where you finally get to, you know, put it on, check it out, shoot the shit with each other, um, and then a few days later is the is the actual graduation, um, and it's uh, it's a small event because there's like ten of you, um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's surreal, you know. I have yeah. Pictures of it are still floating around here. Um, I see them all the time, and it's you don't even know how to take it cuz you've spent 2 years literally shutting the world yeah. off yeah. going through whatever the hell was coming your way and now you're here um
3: very very surreal it's probably out of body experiences as i can relate to it you know like you you're like is this is this is this happening is this finally my yeah, here for sure or am i stuck back in endoc dreaming right now
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you just don't even know where to go with it. you're just you're on it feels the good though head, oh it was awesome it was amazing
1: yeah there's there's no there's no other feeling like it in the world to just be standing there with your buddies and you're like, everybody, you, we fucking did it. Like, it feels amazing. Thanks for listening and check back next week for part two with Tom Culpepper and the guys from Savage Actual.
0: This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. (laughs) Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime... Find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.